Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creation Podcast, the show where we discuss the science that confirms scripture. I'm your host, Trey, and I have with me uh, ICR physicist, Dr. Jake Hebert. Howdy, Trey. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, uh, we're glad to have you on. It's always a good time. Uh, we're talking about space, sort of. I, I don't even really know how to categorize this. Uh, I'm excited for this episode. Um, I know that it can be kind of a controversial topic. It can be... Even among creationists. Even among creationists. Yes. It can even be like a... I don't even know what this is. Like, right. I mean, a lot of people would be like, it doesn't matter. And maybe in the grand scheme of thing, it doesn't. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. But I think it's fun. Um, so let's talk about matter first. Okay. So this table, me, this this water thing, all, all made of matter right. uh, that we can see and touch, et cetera. Right. Astronomers have concluded however that this the things that we can see and touch is not everything that there is right in fact it's a very small small percentage uh and they say that everything else is something invisible called dark matter uh, there we go right all right, right dark matter yes. which really invokes some of those sci-fi sure. uh you know uh vibes right but um, so I want to talk a little bit about, and we'll also get into dark energy. That's something sure. we'll, we'll talk about here, but I, w- I want to talk a little bit about, uh, dark matter and the origin of the idea of dark matter. So when I originally thought of dark matter, I thought that it was something that was kind of invented to save the big bang theory, that it was some sort of like, uh, uh well, we don't know. So we've, we've got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the case or what? Well, not really. Uh, they were, you know, the idea of dark matter goes back pretty far. Uh, and so it's it's not, probably not fair to say that it was invoked just to salvage the Big Bang. Uh, you know, there's a couple of arguments for dark matter. Uh, well, there's several, there's a, quite a few arguments, but uh, some of the older arguments, they're kind of, they're not too hard to understand. You know, like if you have a, a spinning galaxy, for instance, you got a spiral galaxy and it's rotating around. You know, when you move in a circle, you have to have a force to keep you moving in that circle, what we call a centripetal force. Mm-hmm. It's a force directed toward the center. And you think that force is coming from gravity. Well, you can look at, for instance, a galaxy, a spiral galaxy, and based on the light, you can estimate how much mass is there. Okay. But... You can also estimate how much mass is required to keep those things going in those, you know, elliptical or circular orbits. Gotcha. And it turns out when you do that, it looks like you need much more mass than you would infer based on just what's visible. Okay. So they conclude there has to be all this invisible mass there to keep it moving around like that. And you can make a similar argument for these galaxy clusters. You know, if, in order for them to be gravitationally bound, you need a certain amount of mass there. But it looks like they're, if you look at just the emitted light, it doesn't look like there's enough. So they conclude that there must be this dark matter. Uh, and it's, it's, it, they think it interacts gravitationally like other matter, but it can't give off or emit or uh, absorb radi- uh, electromagnetic radiation. Okay, so simplified just a, a, a definition so dark matter is 
invisible matter. Yeah. Uh, and not just invisible because, you know, it's too dim to see. It's because it, it wouldn't even be interacting. It wouldn't, it wouldn't give off. Visible, you know, because light. we see physical objects because of the light they reflect, right? Well, well, not just, well, it's not just that. Okay. okay. Um, you know, objects, anything that's got a, any, you know, what we have, what call it's called baryonic matter. Okay. Baryons are protons and neutrons. Okay. The, the baryonic matter, that's the matter we're familiar with because, and they call it that because nearly all of the mass of an atom is in the nucleus. The nucleus is made up of baryons. Therefore, they call it baryonic matter. Okay. So the matter we're familiar with, you call it baryonic matter. Baryonic matter does emit electromagnetic radiation. And if it's got a temperature above absolute zero, which it has to pretty much, uh, it's going to give off some radiation. Even you're giving off radiation. You're, you're giving off uh, 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 mainly infrared. Okay. Uh, you know, you have to have these special goggles to see it, but you're giving off this energy. So anything that was made out of baryonic matter, you would expect it to be giving off, you know, this, this, uh, this electromagnetic radiation. Okay. Yeah. That's so, very interesting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Creationists, evolutionists, scientists across the board. What are the thoughts about dark matter? Because mm-hmm. um, again, we said at the at the beginning of this uh, podcast that it's kind of a controversial thing. Sure. So, what are the general thoughts? We'll start in the evolutionist camp, sure. and then well, uh, creation astronomer Danny Faulkner. He he said, and I think this is probably true. He say he has said that astronomers are more accepting of dark matter than physicists. You're okay. a physicist, right? Physicists <laughs> tend to be more skeptical. Uh, and that's especially true when you're looking at creation astronomers and creation physicists. But okay. even in the creation community, I think astronomers are more accepting of dark matter than physicists are. Okay. And and just you know, I'll just lay my cards on the table. I'm pretty skeptical. Okay. I'm skeptical, but not everybody agrees. Danny Faulkner is a big proponent of of dark matter, uh, and I'm sure there's some other creation astronomers out there as well. Um, but I tend to be skeptical. Okay. And I can, we can, we can get into the reasons for that later. Sure. But just because you're skeptical doesn't mean that you're not knowledgeable about the topic at hand. Right. Right. Uh, because you have to do some research sure. to come up with the, the skepticism. Okay. So as far as like evolution, however, uh, I imagine that dark matter has become pretty important to the yeah. model. Uh, why is that? Well, How since, is that? since they've been, you know, since they've accepted it, uh, they've incorporated into their evolutionary models. Okay. You know, they, you know, it's sort of a they've used it to explain star and galaxy formation, uh, which all which is great. Okay, the thing is though, we don't really know what this stuff is, or even if it really exists. So, you know, is that really valid to do that? You know, that that's that's an issue. But um, but you know they they have incorporated it you know because because of you know they finally Danny Faulkner points out they were sort of dragged kicking and screaming they didn't want to accept dark matter at first they had to <laughs> yeah but you know again I'll give you an example yeah. though some of the arguments uh, you know I question for instance you know I gave you that example of the spiral galaxy right okay well you're implicitly assuming when you make that argument that these objects are gravitationally bound to give you an, a simple example, let's say you're swinging a ball around on a string. Okay. Okay. And let, let, just as a really bizarre example, let's suppose it takes 100 million years for this thing to make one loop. Wow. Okay. Okay. And let's suppose, okay, that you cut the string. Okay. All right. Now, once you cut the string, that ball is going to start moving in a straight line. 
Let's say you observe the ball for 100 years. Are you going to be able to tell whether or not the string has been cut just by looking at the motion of the ball? No. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Okay, because it hasn't moved far enough. Okay. And see, and so when you make that argument, you're implicitly assuming uh, you know, that they're that they are they are gravitationally bound. Yeah, and creationists don't necessarily have to make that assumption. Now, Danny Faulkner, he says, well, like, creationists shouldn't make that argument because he says, well, creationists have made these arguments about how the stability of galaxies, you know, that's an argument for design. And then you turn around and say, well, it's unstable because you're trying to make a young universe argument. He says that's intellectually schizophrenic. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. It is. Now, I personally have never made that argument. Right. Okay. I've never said, okay, the stability of galaxies is an argument for design. And I'm not trying to take a position one way or the other, but I'm saying that creationists need to be aware of that. They yeah. need to be aware that when you're making that particular argument, you're you know, you're implicitly assuming something that as a creationist, you don't necessarily have to make that assumption. You don't necessarily have to assume that it's gravitationally bound. Okay. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We don't know. We haven't we, been observing it, yes, quote unquote, long yes. enough. So that, yeah. I'm just saying that people, creationists, need to be aware of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that does make a lot of sense. Yes. So Big Bang cosmology uh, th has this dark matter composed of exotic and never before detected except through, like, I guess, indirectly through the computations that you mentioned. Well, yeah, they're hypothetical. They've uh, got, they've got, there's no hard evidence so far uh, that this, and it's exotic dark matter. Uh, exotic. The matter. reason for that is um, they baryonic matter doesn't seem to really work. Uh, there's there's reasons for that. Um, also, the Big Bang model it, it gets really convoluted. It's all right. I'm one here of the one it. of the main <laughs> arguments for the Big Bang is that the Big Bang successfully predicts, and I'm putting that word in quotes, the amount of hydrogen and helium in the universe. Okay. Well, it turns out that in order for it to make that prediction, there's an adjustable parameter, a knob or dial that they can turn. It's called the baryon to photon ratio. Now, photons are units of light right. energy. Right? Photon packets. Yes, yes, exactly. So they think near that the vast majority of photons in the universe are in what they call that cosmic microwave background radiation. Okay. So you can pretty much neglect everything else. So they think they know how many photons are out there. They can pick this number to give you the right amounts of hydrogen and helium, but once they do that, they're locked in, and it also tells you how many baryons there are. Well, based on other arguments, you know they they've con they they're convinced that that's a not that's not enough to account for the dark matter. Okay. So tip the Big Bang can provide maybe fifteen or twenty percent. Of, of that matter, the baryonic matter. Okay. And for a while there, they were having trouble accounting for half of that. Now, now they claim, well, maybe we can't account for it. Well, okay. Yeah. But you still have, <laughs> you still got this 85%. It's a pretty big, pretty big percent. That they, that they say has got to exist and it can't be made out of baryons because the Big Bang can't produce enough baryons. Now, you could change the, you could turn the, no, the knob and maybe get the right amount of baryons, but then you can't account for hydrogen and helium. Gotcha. So it's kind of like a guy who's trying to sleep with a blanket on the bed, but his blanket's too short. Uh, he can cover his feet, and he can cover his torso, but he can't do both. That's kind of the way this is with the Big Bang. Okay. You know, they, can, they, you know, they can't have it both ways. So then you can, uh, you know, they say, okay, well, 
So it's got to be this exotic dark matter. And and it's not just coming from the Big Bang. You can probably make a physical argument as well. But the argument is it has to be this something other than baryonic matter. It can't be made out of atoms. Well, there's other forms of non-baryonic matter, neutrinos, free uh, free electrons, things like that. Okay, what are those? Well, just free electrons are just electrons that aren't bound to an atom. Okay. Neutrinos are these tiny little subatomic particles um, yeah, I, I'm, you know, you've just about plumbed my knowledge on that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm not a particle physicist. <laughs> Why but, not? No. But, but you, but, but there are other forms of matter out there. Okay. But again, the problem is they've ruled out, ruled those out. Okay. So if you've ruled out all the known forms of matter, the only thing left is hypothetical exotic stuff. Okay. And they've been looking hard for it and they haven't been able to find it. Now, one of the reasons I'm a little bit skeptical about this exotic dark matter is, and again, I'm not a particle physicist. Right. Okay, I'll freely admit I'm not an expert on this, but based on the reading of, I've done, I get the sense that two of the main candidates for dark matter, what they call axions and sparticles, these exotic particles, I get the sense that they're being invoked in order to solve fine-tuning problems in particle physics. Problems in quotes. I'm putting that in quotes yeah, because for audio listeners. I like fine-tuning, okay? Yeah. If, if there's something that looks like it's fine-tuned, that's evidence for design. Right. Evolutionists don't like that, though. Yeah. So the motivation or one of the motivations for these exotic particles, not just because the Big Bang requires them, they're trying to get around, apparently trying to get around these fine-tuning arguments. Okay. So I have sort of a problem with that you know if, if your theoretical basis for invoking this stuff is an evolutionary attempt to dodge design why as a creationist do i have to accept that right so uh and there's another problem with dark matter here's the thing they've, they've convinced themselves that dark matter has to exist okay it's got to be about 85 percent of all the matter out there the problem is and i don't think the current version of the big bang can account for it Okay. And the reason for this is not some profound physics argument. It's just common sense, right? right? How can you incorporate something into your model if you don't even know what it is, right? It's kind of like, I, did, I, I like to use this analogy. Um, let's say you got a chemistry student in high school. Okay. And it's a chemistry class. The teacher has a chemical equation on the blackboard, and she goes, Johnny, do you understand this a chemical equation? And he goes, yes. Great. What are the end products of the re, uh, the end products of the reaction? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> well, do you really understand it? Okay. Right. So you know, by their own admission, Big Bang scientists are claiming that eighty five percent of the matter in the universe is unknown, and it's worse than that because they got something called dark energy. Okay. It's even flakier, if you ask me, than dark matter. Okay, dark energy, I think most creationists are suspicious of dark energy. That's coming very much from a Big Bang interpretation of, like, um, supernova data. You know, they okay. think they think the supernova are accelerating, but we think they're probably, their Big Bang assumptions are skewing their interpretation of the data. So, but when you conclude con- dark energy, 95% of the energy content of the universe is unknown. So it's like you're saying that the Big Bang, you know, you're, you're sort of claiming you understand the process, how the universe evolved through time and came to be the way it is. But only 5%. Exactly. Yeah. 
you only know what 5% of it is. So it's like, that's like saying you understand the chemical reaction on the blackboard, but you don't know what the end product is. Okay. Or that you understand a cake recipe, but you don't know what kind of a cake the end product is. You know, and I think this is a point that creationists ought to be pounding home a lot more frequently. Yeah. Because to me, that's, that is a very profound objection to the Big Bang. Yeah. If you, by your own admission, do not know what the universe is made of, you got no business telling people where it came that you, from. That you know that you know how it evolved over time, you know, or how it came to be. Okay. Uh, to me, that's just ridiculous. That is that, that's and, some and good I think that's sense. a point that needs to be made a lot more forcefully. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that is <laughs> it's it's almost funny. It's like it's yeah. like almost it's almost humorous. Right. Uh, okay. So you had mentioned dark energy. Right. Uh, so I have a little bit of, of a figure here that, uh, and I pulled this from NASA's website. Right. So this is uh, official numbers. Uh, dark matter makes up about 27% of of the universe if we're counting energy and matter. Right, I think, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, and that dark energy accounts for 68%. Those numbers may have changed a little bit since then, okay. uh, but uh, that, that sounds roughly correct. Okay. What is dark energy then? If we don't know what dark matter well, is. Well, we don't know what that <laughs> is either. But supposedly, you know, the, again, this is assuming an expanding universe. And, I, and, I, and, there, and there's, this is another area where creationists disagree. Uh, some creationists um, are willing to accept an expanding universe or at least provisionally accept it. Uh, and I've sort of been that way, but I'm becoming more skeptical of that. Okay. Uh, mainly for theological reasons, but also for some scientific, but really theological, okay. as well as some scientific. Um, but other creationists disagree. Yeah. Okay. But let's assume the universe is expanding. Okay. That just for the sake of argument. Well, supposedly the rate of expansion is speeding up. Okay. Well, that kind, that kind of requires a special kind of energy to make that happen, and so that's one of the arguments for this dark energy. Because like second law of thermodynamics, right? It would, things would not continue to speed up. Well, I, I, it's, it's um, I don't know. It's more of just gravity. You know, okay. If gravity's pulling things together, you would expect, of anything, for it to slow down. Right, okay. I mean, there's three possibilities. One, it could just keep going on forever. One, it could eventually stop and then come back together. You know, there's different possibilities, yeah. or it has to be perfect. Where, you know, it it well, basically, uh, the idea is that the acceleration is speeding up. Okay, and so you need this exotic energy to make that happen. But that it it's, but it's coming very much from Big Bang cosmological assumptions, and I don't think as a creationist you really necessarily need to make that. I to me, dark energy is even is on even shakier ground than dark matter. Okay, and I think most creationists would agree with that. Even okay. those who accept dark matter, I think most of them would be, would be skeptical of dark energy. Okay, well, let's uh, take a deep breath. Okay. How, you, how you doing? Doing okay. Doing good. Okay, um, it's time for our random science question okay. of the day. Okay, uh, I've got one that I think is actually really fun. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that it is possible for a human in a spacecraft? to leave our solar system. Why or why not? Okay. Um, well, it's theoretically possible for sure. Okay. But are we going to be able to do it? Fees is it feasible in our lifetimes? 
Um, I think some of that depends on how soon the Lord's coming is. <laughs> right. Uh, I, 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 I doubt that it's going to happen before the Lord Jesus comes back. Okay. Uh, but I do, I do think when he comes back, he's going to let us explore outer space. Okay. Which I think is going to be great fun. And I think in you know a glorified resurrection body, you're not going to need a spaceship or spacesuits. True. And I think we're going to be able to explore. I think it's going to be great fun. I think yeah. we're going to be able to explore the solar system and the rest of the universe. And I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think this is one of the sad things about being an atheist. Um, you know, there's all these um, astronomers and astrophysicists out there who are atheistic. And they would love to explore the solar system. They would love to go out into deep space. But the thing is, it's basically impossible. Yeah. The techn- technological limitations are just too great. It, yeah. There's just no way. But there is somebody who's got the power to make it happen. Right. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ, but they don't want to come to him. So I think in a way it's very sad um, that they they don't want to come to him because he's the he's got the power he's the only one who's got the power to make that dream come true and he can do it yeah and we know that he delights in giving good gifts to his children and um and so you know sometimes i think we ought to appeal to, to evolutionist emotions more than we do uh be, you know they say they would say oh no this is all just an intellectual argument i don't buy that i think i think i don't think that's the real reason okay. when you dig deeper there's there's some something always else. something there's yeah. always something else and so i think evolutionists whether they want to admit it or not are driven by emotion on this issue okay because they don't want to believe in hell uh you know, they don't want to have to recognize that they are going to have to give an account to god there's all these other things going on in the background and so, well, hey, if that's true, why not appeal to their emotions? Right, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like right. maybe, maybe we ought to do more right. of that. You know, don't you want to explore the stars? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's so it's. I think I think that might be worth bringing up. Okay, you know, um, so uh, I do. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it when the Lord comes back. I think it's going to be great fun. Yeah, well, it does sound fun. Uh, all things considered, when you imagine, you know, I, th- I think of the Wright brothers and the first airplane. Uh, and now, you know, we're sending probes to James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, how, <laughs> you may not know the answer to this. Okay, provided the Lord does not return right. in our lifetimes or very soon, how, if you had to give a time frame on it, how long do you think it would take for humans to develop the ability to leave our solar system? Oh, man. Um well, I guess it depends on whether you want to come back alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easy to leave the solar system, right. right? Just get in a box and shoot it off into space. Uh, coming back alive, that's the hard part. Okay. Yeah, boy, I don't know if I, I'm just not even sure I can that's give you a time right. frame. That's all right. I, it's just. It's, that wasn't even part of the but question. But I, I, I can tell you this that even people like the late Carl Sagan, who was a big secular, you know, mm-hmm. uh, atheistic, you know, astronomer, astrophysicist, um, he was kind of. Pouring a wet blanket on manned solar, you know, ex- exploration yeah. to deep space because it's just so hard and so dangerous. And if I recall correctly, he was sort of saying, "Well, we just ought to use robots. Robots, that's the way to go. Um, we should even, you know, we should concentrate on trying to save, you know, save. That's another issue. Save, save the save planet, the planet yeah. right? Uh, and not, you know, use this as a lifeboat to try to go to other solar systems. So." 
Uh, but I, space is incredibly inhospitable. Yeah. And I'm. And by the way, that is don't misunderstand. I am not criticizing astronauts. For okay? sure. You know, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. And you know, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a sin if you're an astronaut or anything like that. But I'm just saying practically, man, it would be very tough. Okay. You know, very tough. You know, to um, to to have these man colonies, especially in deep space. Yeah. Um, you know, you got this waiting list. If I'm not mistaken, they've got a waiting list for people wanting to go to Mars, mm-hmm. and some of them are saying, "Well, I don't have to come back." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, you may not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you do you not, really want to do that? You may you not know? even yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I don't. You know, uh, I, I'm, I would. You know, as Yogi Berra said, you know, it's always hard to make predictions, especially about the future. So. <laughs> I would just—I'm not even going to go there, but I yeah. can—I can say it—it it would be—it's t- tough. There's a lot of technological challenges. Okay, you know, it's—it's—you know, here's the thing: TV shows make it look so easy, right? right? Well, I mean, you, you just know, hit you, a button and you're you go on the Star speed. Trek. You know, it looks so easy yeah. to have the self-contained environment, but they're on a soundstage. Yeah, you know, not, it wasn't that long ago where they had this big experiment called Biosphere Two, where they were going to try to live in an entirely self-enclosed, self-sustaining environment for a significant amount of time, and it was a disaster. It just fell apart. Um, and that just shows you how much design has gone into the earth. Yeah. You know, we got plants. We've got all these things that balance each other, and it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is. And um, I think that Biosphere 2 debacle shows you just how hard it would be to have a self-sustaining, contained environment in space, and uh, so yeah, I'm just not even going to make any predictions. It's just, it's tough. It's really tough. Okay, yeah. so no Mars colony for Doctor Hebert. You're right. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. I, I that's something that people talk about all the time. You know, especially with like Mars. Uh, there are plans, you know, yeah. to go to Mars yeah. in the not too distant future. So we'll see yeah. how that goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll get back to the topic at hand. Okay. Dark matter. You said that most, uh, to your belief, that uh, most creationists kind of jettison the dark energy idea. Yeah, I think so. Uh, For those creationists who do accept the existence of dark matter, uh, what what do you think the basis is there? Uh, Well, some... uh... Well, some of it, I think, is because there have been instances. I mean, if you listen to what Danny Faulkner says, he's he's got some papers that he's written on this, and there have been examples in the past where dark matter was invoked, and it came. It was a successful prediction. Okay, uh, you know, but there's also been you know, you, the thing is, well, if you don't believe in dark matter, what's the alternative? Right. You've got these alternate theories about gravity. Uh, you have these things called modified Newtonian dynamics, uh, where the idea is that our understanding of, of gravity breaks down uh, when you're out in deep space, okay. uh, when you're in very low accelerations. Um, and it, one of the criticisms of that is that it's somewhat ad hoc. Okay. okay. Now, but on the other hand, you can point to an example, and Danny Faulkner has, has admitted this, where we have in, invoked a new understanding of gravity, relativity theory. Yeah. And it was successful. So both sides can kind of point to, well, we've got examples where you had this unseen matter. We predicted its existence. It turned out to be there. But you've also got an example where we have modified gravity in the past. Um, 
you know, one of the things I guess that makes me uh, a little skeptical is, um, yeah, uh, two things really, and I've already alluded to one of them. Again, the theoretical motivation for some of these candidates for exotic dark matter appears to be an attempt to uh, evade design. And you're referring to the axions, axions and, and particles. particles. Now, now okay. maybe there's other reasons, but I, I'm but the sense I get reading is that that's that's driving some of that. Okay. The other thing is we've had a tremendous amount of success in physics by assuming that the stuff out in space is made out of the same stuff here on Earth. Okay. You know, for instance, I mean, you know, the, the atomic, you know, these spectra we get. Yeah. You know, we're assuming those things are made out of atoms. We're assuming stars are made out of atoms. In fact, helium was discovered on the sun before we found it on Earth. To me, to, go, to say that 85% of the matter in the universe is this exotic, weird stuff nobody's ever seen to me, that seems to be kind of radical. Yeah. Now, Danny Faulkner says, no, modified gravity is more radical. I guess that's sort of a matter of opinion. Gotcha. Um, but that's one of the things that kind of gets me. It's like, oh, I just, I just have a hard time. <laughs> it's just a little easier for me to think our understanding of gravity is a little bit off than to think you've got this weird, exotic stuff out there. Uh, and here's the other thing. In order to look for it, you've got to have some idea what you're looking for. Right. You have to have some theoretical idea, but it looks to me like the theoretical justifications for axions and particles, at least in part, is coming from an attempt to avoid design. So what's the theory? You no, know, I don't even know how I don't even know what you would look how to even know what to look for. Right. If, if it's you, nothing, right? <laughs> it's like yeah, there. I, I don't know. I mean, how do you look for something when you don't have any idea what it is? Okay, so what is an axion? What is a spark? Well, I, I don't know. Well, the axion is something. Both of these are things that have been invoked to try to dodge different fine tuning problems in physics. What, the the particles that comes from something called supersymmetry, and one of this may not be the only motivation but one of the motivations as as i understand it and i could be wrong i mean i'm not an expert on this there's something called the higgs hierarchy problem which is a fine tuning problem involving the higgs boson okay and apparently supersymmetry is one of these attempts to try to solve that there's another fine tuning problem involving axions that they but they're hypothetical to inv- inv- it, to solve these purported fine tuning okay. problems now, when I hear the word fine tuning, I don't think problem. I think design. Yes. I don't that that doesn't bother me. So, it wouldn't bother me at all if spart- if these supersymmetric particles, these particles, don't exist. Yeah, it you may, don't need them. <laughs> it may be that God just simply designed it that way, and it's and that's the problem. That's the problem for the particle physicists. Some of these things seem wildly improbable. That it takes some real intricate fine-tuning, well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I don't have a problem with fine-tuning. I'll fine-tuning. take it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with fine-tuning. So, um, you know, it, it, and again, what are you even, how do you even know what to look right. for? If, 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 if that's your theoretical motivation, and maybe there's some other motivation that I've, that I've overlooked. Maybe, okay. Okay. But if that's the motivation, I'm not sure why creationists should allow that to drive our research paradigm right you know there's no need for it yeah Yeah, okay yeah that that does make sense so so both of them are hypothetical particles 
to fix yes. other problems that, that we yeah, don't even have. We, we we might as creators just may not even have. Okay. Uh, and they've been looking for these dark these exotic dark matter particles and for a long time, and so far they've come up empty. Okay. They they have not been able to find it. Now oh. I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out one more thing. Now Danny Faulkner has pointed out. He says, well. You know, it's only they haven't found the exotic dark matter particles. Okay, but Danny's also gone out of his way to make to argue that it pretty much has to be exotic yeah. dark matter. <laughs> so the other kind, the other baryonic stuff, he doesn't think is a plausible candidate for dark okay. matter. So, but yeah, you know, so if the only thing left is exotic dark matter and you haven't found evidence for it, you know, it, it's uh, what are we doing? Right? Yeah, I know it's it's. Uh, so anyway, like I said, it's sort of it's uh, there's disagreement among us, yeah, among yeah. creationists, you know, some and that's be, okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Kind of, kind of drawing it in. Uh, so the overall feel, we'll just say the vibe, the vibe. I get from you uh, is that you're skeptical of dark matter's existence, but to the creationist, whether or not it exists, does that? really matter to us from a scientific and or like theological point of view? Uh, let me, let me put it this way. Um, here's one reason you might be interested in it. Okay. Let's suppose that someday they do find out what dark matter is. Okay. Either it doesn't exist. Maybe it's modified. It's really as modified Newtonian dynamics, or they do find out what exists. I think okay. there's a very good chance it will be bad news for the Big Bang. Okay. Because there's too many ways that can go sideways for them. And, you know, may, maybe you've got dark matter out there, but maybe it's not 85%. May, you know, it, it's just, or maybe it's, or maybe all the dark matter is exotic. You know, um, you know, or, or, you know, may, maybe the visible matter we see, maybe that's about all there is. And, you know, it, there's a lot of ways that this could go badly for them because they have to have a lot of things be true, both from their observations, but also from their understanding of the Big Bang. Right. So I suspect if and when we ever figure out what dark matter is, regardless of what the answer is, I think it's probably going to be bad news for the Big Bang. Okay. Yeah. So you had mentioned uh, Newtonian physics. Right. And so let's set dark matter to the side for a little bit. I know you won't have time to go into it too in depth, but you did mention these Newtonian physics. So you are stating from your point of view, you're skeptical of dark matter. You are more uh, inclined to believe that there's something going on with gravity. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, that just our understanding is not completely correct. Uh, you know, it, and it, now, one of the criticisms of the, these modified gravity ideas is they're sort of ad hoc. And to be fair, that, that that's probably a valid criticism. Um, but I just, I don't know if I can give, maybe it's not even a totally, I, that's just the feel I get. I, you know, okay. it's, it's, I don't know if that's I can That's the even, vibe you're getting. The, <laughs> I, just, I just have an easier time believing gravity is different deep out in space okay. than believing uh, that I just to me that just seems weird, really weird that eighty five percent of all the stuff the Lord made, matter wise, would be this weird exotic stuff of which we have no knowledge. Sure. To me, I just have a hard time with that. Uh, so, as far as the gravity goes, does it have anything to do with like uh, relativity theory or anything like that? It's it's not speed no, of the, light. No, the people who are who are suggesting modified Newtonian dynamics, I don't think, are rejecting relativity theory. Okay. 
I don't. I don't think that's it. it it's because uh, I mean, even now there there are times where Newtonian physics is still valid. Okay. And when you're talking about a spinning galaxy, I mean that's still Newtonian physics. Right. You don't need relativity for that. Okay. Uh, so it, now in some situations where there's very intense gravity or very high speeds, yes, you need relativity theory. So I don't. Th- this is not like kook physics. You know, right. <laughs> like where we're. we're uh, somebody oh man we're gonna get all feedback on that oh perfect uh, yeah uh, you know we're not this is not an attempt to jettison relativity okay. theory. and I, I don't have any problem with relativity okay. theory um yeah i know some people oh you know they get they get upset by it I, but i think there's a lot of evidence for it i don't have any problem with it this is not you know a rejection of relativity theory right maybe maybe some people are saying that but i don't think that that's okay. not the sense i get okay yeah you're saying deep space Gravity works yeah, maybe a yeah, little bit. You don't, yeah, you don't need. I mean, we can send somebody to the moon with Newtonian right. physics. I mean, you, you know, if if the Newtonian stuff works, there's no need to make the calculations harder by using relativity theory. So when you're talking about you know the the rotational motion of a galaxy, you don't need relativity theory for that. Okay. It's not moving fast enough, you know. And so, so this is not an issue of oh, I'm rejecting relativity okay. theory. This is just more does. Does Newtonian physics is it a little bit different way out in space than it is here on Earth? Okay, yeah. interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe when some more research comes out on that, we'll yeah. uh, we'll have to have a podcast on that because yeah. that sounds uh, very intriguing. All right, thank you. Sure. I know that this is uh, kind of a kind of a wild topic, and and it's a lot of fun to talk about, a lot sure. of fun to think about. Um, do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners and viewers? Again, I'm not going to fall on my sword on this, at least not yet. Uh, that's just sort of my inclination. Okay. Other creationists disagree. Okay, There's some creation astronomers who are totally okay with dark matter. I just personally am a little more skeptical. Okay. Yeah. But it's good to know both sides yeah. of that story. So yes. Thank you so much for being here. We always appreciate having you on. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. And to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in and watching. Uh, we hope that you now know a little bit more about dark matter this mysterious substance that may or may not exist. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to give us a like, a share, subscribe, uh, share this with your friends, uh, any astronomy friends that you have who are like big into, into astronomy, uh, that'd be great. And we'll see you next time on the Creation Podcast.